clear for takeoff. Welcome once again to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Jay Vera. Along with me, as always, is my esteemed, handsome, educational, observant, intelligent, hilarious co-host, Matt Slard, aka King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Man, I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm all those things, but I'll take it. And, and hey, Listen, Joe, the the week, the cal- week of a win, week of a win, you are all of those things. Okay, hey, fair, fair enough. The calendar is flipped to October, and and we're we're stacking meaningful months of football here, man. Meaningful October football. The calendar yeah. is turned. Yeah, I said it. I said it last month, like as a half joke. Meaningful September football, right? But it's 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 it's. I can't believe the glow up is legitimate that we're 500 entering October. Like, listen, I say that like half jokingly because they haven't proved anything yet though. Right. And so let's, let's kick off the podcast right there with the runway rundown as we, as we usually do. I want to start with a little bit of a PSA slows. Okay. One of my favorite memes or slash images on the internet is, is a picture. I don't know what the origin is, but it's of one person pinching another person's lips saying, shh, let people enjoy things. Okay. This wasn't a pretty win. This wasn't a complete win. It wasn't a dominant win. It wasn't a aesthetically pleasing win. But the one thing that all of those things have in common is that it was a win. Right. Oh yeah. And big time. Ultimately, I, I said this, I've said this on the podcast before. I, I say it relatively often. Good teams, this is how good teams are made, right? You you find ways to win. Heading to Pittsburgh, which is not an easy place to play. It could be Heinz Field. It could be Akershire Stadium. It could be the seventh level of hell. It doesn't matter. Mike Tomlin's still coaching those guys to win. I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a fan. Um, but listen, man, at the end of the day, it was a win. And Zach, there's plenty of to not be happy about. There's plenty to feel good about. But just please, please. If people are looking at this and enjoying this, especially older fans or like, you know, slightly boomerish fans like myself, where we haven't had a whole lot of good things to look forward to over the last 10 years, let me enjoy this, man. Let those people enjoy this. So that's my PSA, Sliz. I don't know where you stand on that, but I'm very much at the point now that I'm just like, okay, this is how good teams are made. You start winning games like these. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, and we're a young team. We're a team trying to build a culture. We have a relatively young coaching staff trying to get a message, get guys to buy in. I mean, we we had that that discussion a couple of weeks back about culture and and Sala in general, and and you know, ultimately, a lot of it comes down to winning games and winning right. games, especially we're winning games early in the year. This isn't like past years where we've gone winless through the first half of the season and we're getting relatively meaningless wins late in the season. Like we get, we have two, two wins through four games in a stretch where, you know, even preseason, it's like, man, those games, two of those four look winnable. The two we ended up winning, but it's like, you, you really don't expect us to win them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, man, you're, you're hoping that we're at least one and three out coming out of it, but Hey, we're, we're two and two We're we're sitting pretty well. And I know just through watching the game, the, this one definitely had a different vibe to it. And, and a big part of that is the Steelers not being all that great. Them missing their best player in TJ Watt. But there's like, Especially for a, a 
Mike Tomlin coach team, like they had a lot of like the same old Jets type of stuff happen to them. Hey, hey, but, hey, we don't say that. We don't say that on this pod. Don't make me have to post that it again, please, because that took like three minutes last time, and I, I don't want to have to waste all that time doing it. But sorry, they had a lot of a lot of typical Jets stuff happen to them. Like they better, had a better. shanked kick. They had a lot of weird penalties. That weird interceptions on you know bouncing balls and and all that sort of stuff it was like man it was like it was like wait are are, that's that can happen to other teams too that doesn't always just happen to us and right and (laughs) like listen man that's the key it's like you take advantage you this is how you take advantage like it's nice to see the jets take advantage of this right because you had four interceptions in the game i understand one one was at the end of the game so maybe it doesn't matter as much but you pick off you pick off Pickett three times in the game. Two that you actually did something with, right? It it would have been so SOJ to take those turnovers and do nothing with them and immediately give it back, right? But you actually do something with it. And it's like it's so nice for that to finally change. And listen, it's not much. I think more than I feel this more than the Cleveland game, because I think we could acknowledge that. Some fluky things went right in that Cleveland game. You still have to execute at the end of the game, sure. But so they got some breaks, obviously, in that game. But more, much more than the Cleveland game, they go into hostile territory against the quote-unquote desperate team, even if they're not as talented, a, a whole, potential Hall of Fame head coach, and a guy that in years past, we've seen this happen, where rookies come off the bench, and all of a sudden they look like God, right? Baker Mayfield, whoever else oh, the Jets yeah. have played over the last three years. And you have Kenny Pickett there waiting, and it was like so scripted for this to be the same situation. Like Kenny Pickett's going to come off the bench and he's going to lead them to victory, and it almost happened that way, sure. But, 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 but the Jets found a way to win this football game, and it wasn't just about a bounce here, a bounce there. They took victory. They took this win. They took it. Like oh, they yeah. were down. They were down ten points with thirteen minutes left in the game. Like they took this win. That's and, something to be very happy about. And even even more so than like the Cleveland game where it's like, okay, it's Joe Flacco. It's like, Hey, Zach Wilson took the bull by the horns. He took over to end the game. Like right. best we've seen Zach Wilson play in his pro career on the, on those two fourth quarter drives. It was phenomenal. Right. right? It was like, Oh man, not you, you see, okay. If, if we can get this even somewhat consistently, it's like, okay, we, we got something here, right. you know? And and what were his stats? That his he was like six for he was like six for twenty four at some point or something. Like I, think, that. I think it was eight really for twenty four. Yeah, it, it, was it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. But like, listen, and this is Sliz, you and I, I. I'd like to think that we're both reasonably level headed. Like, yes, the memes come in and and all this stuff like on the Discord and and we have fun with it, right? But we're very big on context and context matters, right? Now the one thing everybody was pointing at and there were people in the discord, I'm not going to name names, but there are people in the discord. They were like, Oh, well you look at his stat line and it's very similar to, to what he's done last year. But PFF had him at a 73.3 adjusted completion percentage, which is a pretty good number. Um, He had five quote unquote drops. So he had the two to Garrett Wilson. He had the one to Conklin that resulted in interception. You could debate again, you can debate that one all day. Did Zach see him too late? Uh, was it a bad throw? Sure, but that's also a catch that Conklin's getting paid to make. It wasn't three feet over his head. Like, it hit him in the hands. So, there's that. And he had the two to Brees. There was the one that was the ball that was slightly underthrown that he was moving on the run and the one that hit off his face mask. So, and then 
what we saw from Zach that we we've been talking about all year that Flacco doesn't give you is the mobility and he gets out of sacks and he moves out of pockets that, that are collapsing and he throws the ball away. So yes, he was, he was eight for 24, but it wasn't like an eight for 24 that he was missing receivers by 15 yards. Yeah. That, that knee did not look hurt. Right. And and what was frankly an abysmal O-line performance uh, over 20 pressures they gave up to only give up one sack. And and really a lot of that was solely on the shoulders of Zach Wilson moving all over creation, making guys miss working his way out of tackles. Like he, he looked good back there. He gave us a chance. I, I said it a couple times, it's like, man, if Joe Flacco's back there, we probably lose this game and we probably oh, take yeah. like eight sacks, yeah. like eight, like <laughs> the, they were getting into the backfield. They were moving the pocket. Like, he, he Zach definitely put a lot on his shoulders. You, you mentioned a, a adjusted completion percentage, and I know anytime you, you put adjusted or expectation or any of that right. on stats, people start bugging out a little bit. But it's it's, it's essentially all, all it is, it's it's accounting for those things that are out of his control, right? Where it's like, hey, Zach threw a good completable pass that was dropped, or you're removing, hey, this was a scramble, he threw it away, right? It where he wasn't trying to it to complete a pass Mm -hmm. and and yeah he he looked better especially down the stretch than his numbers his numbers dictate you know there there, it wasn't all good we we were we were digesting a lot where his his pass is short to the flat and it's really it's specifically to the right side which is weird and and of course i'm looking like a doofus after the game trying to like how is it just the right side? You know, I'm trying to like simulate, right. like I'm taking a shotgun snap and opening my hips and stuff. I, I, I don't know if he relies on his arm too much. It's, I think it's his sidearm delivery a little bit. Uh, and almost every single one though, too, because I think he had like three of them this game. They were all in front of the the player. So I don't know if it's just something where, but, and you don't see it with Braxton Berrios either, <laughs> which, which I kind of, the, like the thought po- popped into my head. Maybe it's just something that they're working on those types of plays all the time where he just anticipates the guy going immediately upfield and they're looking to get the ball in their hands before they go upfield. But uh, you hope that works itself out. But, but overall, like he, he looked good enough. Right. And there was a lot of good to build on and, and you hope he can take this and carry it. And, and certainly we're going to talk through a lot of the bad, uh, both with Zach and just the rest of the team in general. But like, I, you can't ask for much more out of Zach on that game winning drive, man. He was throwing in tight windows. He was, he was standing tall and collapsing pockets. He was, uh, he was just on, on the money. Right. I think that it's for me. There was there was a few throws that 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 are a little bit more pedestrian that stand out to me. Well, one one was a little pedestrian, and one was a little bit more fantastic. And the first throw I'm thinking about is he hits Michael Carter, and it's on that. I'm pretty sure it's on the fourth quarter. It's on the game winning drive. He hits Michael Carter. He steps up in the pocket. It, everything's burning down around him, and he just he finds Michael Carter and he delivers the ball. Last year, that's a play that he does not make. Period. Like. He he either bails out or he runs right into a sack or he just doesn't see him or he airmails air mails the throw. That's a play he does not make last year. The other throw that listen, I like I, I'm I'm always like kind of fascinated by I'm always kind of fascinated by the way that how how good these guys are sometimes, right? Where like 
he makes that throw to Corey Davis where Corey Davis is falling down. He ends up on the 20 yard line and it's a perfectly placed ball. Now, again, it's hard for me. I can't believe he actually put that pass there like purposely. Right. Like he actually like, so in my head cannon, yes, he actually put that ball there purposely, which is nice, but it's just, it's, those are two throws to me on that fourth quarter, that game winning drive that, like, okay, well, maybe he's figuring out the accuracy a little bit. Maybe the first couple quarters where we know that the offensive line was bad and we know that maybe he was a little rusty and he was he should be a little quicker on his decision-making. But came that fourth quarter, come that fourth quarter, he looked like the goods. Yeah, definitely. And something, too, that the offensive line mostly held up in that fourth right. quarter. And, and and I saw a lot uh, – I saw a comment, I think it was from, from Robbie Sabo, about how – Michael Fleur stayed dedicated to the run early, which allowed us to do some of the things we did late, right? And and I'm not totally letting Michael Fleur off the hook here, but late in that that fourth quarter, we were able to do a lot of stuff with RPOs, a lot of stuff with play action, where you kind of set the table throughout the whole game. And, and even in situations where it's likely we need to pass, the, those linebackers are leaning forward on their toes a little bit. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're influencing the defense because, hey, the Jets handed it off a crap ton in the first part of the game. Mm-hmm. You, you have to respect their own play downhill. We're protecting a lead now. And and we injected well off of all that, right? Mm-hmm. His play action numbers in this game were phenomenal. His clean pocket numbers in this game were phenomenal. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of, Hey, if we can protect, protect Zach, either with the offensive line or with play calling via moving pocket, via PA rollouts, that sort of thing. It it looks like if you give them time, you're going to get a good product in terms of the result on the field. Right. And, and again, it's people expect, and we'll get to Justin Fields later, but I think a lot of times, like people expect guys to do it all by themselves and, I'm very much not a guy who believes that in football, especially with a young quarterback, with a guy who I think we all know Zach needed work coming out of college. Like everybody knew that. And it was very much a trial by fire. And that's not to say that everything needs to be perfect around him. Right. But the guy does need help. I mean, all, all quarterbacks need a little bit of help at, at times. So it's Aaron Rodgers needs help. Tom Brady needs help. Like it's not specifically to like a rookie quarterback or second year quarterback. So things like him and, and it was little thing, or do you want to say little, but it was big things like him escaping again, escaping sacks and throwing the ball away. Like he had like four or five pockets, four or five throwaways where he escaped a pocket. He escaped a sack and he's saving 10 yards, 12 yards. And by just throwing the ball away. So listen, I'm, I'm coming away from this game encouraged by Zach. I'm, I'm not like fully bought in, but if he can take that fourth quarter and move it forward and, and roll that into, into a Miami team that, maybe isn't quite as good as some of some of everybody everybody was kind of expecting them to be this year. We might have something here. There might be something cooking. Yeah, and I, and I think we had a pretty lengthy discussion the other day around like even so so Zach Zach had a, really two quarters. I called it the middle half, right? Where the first <laughs> quarter was all right, second quarter especially right at the end of the the half there with the interception and then pretty much the entire third quarter really looked not good. Right. And it's like, okay, what, 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 what went wrong there? And so we already touched on some of the short passes, right. Then the interception. So like, what's your thoughts on that first interception? (laughs) Oh man. Uh, 
it, it's tough Liz, because like I I watched it and watched it and watched it and I, I'm not going to claim to know football as much as as you or you know or to the inner workings of football at least and, and play calling and route running but I see that play and, and there are two things that stand out to me on that play number one Zach it was a bad pass like he had Jeff Smith it should have been earlier it should have been on a rope it's like the way that he floated it out there like it, it was just not a good pass fine whatever the other thing I noticed is that. Elijah Moore, I feel like should not have been down there <laughs> because you, you, when you when you watch the old 22 and you see him all the way down there, he's pulling the, the cornerback with him. And then he kind of like breaks down the route like, oh, crap, am I not supposed to be here? So, you know, maybe Zach is and, and even the, the broadcast said it. I don't want to say it was uh, Adam Archuleta said it on the on the broadcast, like that cornerback isn't supposed to be there or like he's not seeing that cornerback. So I understand why. So. I would much rather have those kinds of interceptions where I'm like, okay, well, I can see what he was trying to do there. Unlike the blockhead ass Sam Darnold interceptions where he's throwing it into triple coverage, thinking that he can fit a ball in there where, you know, with the, with the Zach interception, like that first interception where you're like, okay, I could see why he was throwing it there. I could see, you know, trying to fit in, but something, there was a disconnect there and I'm not sure what exactly at the end of the day, it's still an interception, right? Those are the things you try and try and take out of his game entirely. The the stupid interception, the momentum changing interception, right? But I I'm not like I'm not to the point with that that I'm like oh my god this is the same old Zach that we've seen you know like I I'm not buying into that at all. Yeah, and and I'm glad you you set the table that way. I was I was hoping you would because I agree and that, and that's where our conversation was earlier in the week around like hey like yeah there there is a lot of bad play in there. But it wasn't like, what is he doing? It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, man, how do you even make that read? How do you make that throw? I agree on that first interception. I think the read was okay. I do think, and I broke it down in detail, I think Elijah Moore just did not expect to even be, the ball to even go there. I, th- right. I I assume Garrett was the primary, and he looked open for a flash, but Zach, mm-hmm. like something different, he won the shot which, hey, that's part of why you get a Zach Wilson so he can take the shot, right? Mm -hmm. And then it it just kind of comboed from there. Awful throw, but that's just part of it. But it's like, okay, you can see what went on there. Other interceptions the same way where, hey, he he double-clutched it. He probably held on too long, got the free rusher in his face, tried to do some sidearm angle thing, just floated it a little bit, a little bit high, and then – unfortunate not only for it to not be caught but for it to tip essentially and, and almost result in a pick six so a little right. unfortunate but it's like okay you, you see what he was doing he made that one he made the right read just a little bit late on it right right and even some of the some of the drops too then it's like all those drops that they were mostly good throws really and and on time the the one the the breeze hall rollout um the the deep shot that he underthrew it's like that that one's an easy coaching moment. It's like, dude, Zach, you can't like be running and do this like jump pass float like fade away floater thing. Right. right. It's like you, you gotta you gotta plant your feet and deliver the goods. But in general, it like nothing nothing made you go like, oh no, like what is he doing outside right. of maybe dirting some of those short passes to the flat? But right. like certainly I think he didn't he did more good than bad. And it feels like something, hey first game back we can build on this and right. and and you feel good about the direction moving forward yeah the one thing about this the short passes to the right is that so he misses he misses Brees and he misses Garrett Wilson on the right side but what's i guess is 
if I'm going to make good out of a out of a terrible situation or out of an accuracy there. Last year, he was throwing those balls like straight into the dirt. Like th- those balls were at the feet of the receivers, which is like that tells me that, especially on the Garrett Wilson one, that I think he was expecting Wilson to be moving forward on that throw um, because it wasn't like wildly inaccurate. It was very much like, a, OK, I'm going to hit you in stride and see what you can do with the ball as opposed to, OK, well, I'm throwing this ball square at your feet. Good luck. You know, so. Uh, yeah, and and on the on the near interception to Minka that he threw on the the Brees Hall incomplete or sorry, it was I'm thinking two different plays on the on the Brees Hall incompletion, he actually had Uzama underneath, and you know the linebacker was planted there, so maybe it would have been a little bit of a tougher throw to make, but Uzama was there, and I'd like to see Uzama do something ultimately, and you know we're we're gonna get to anything, please, yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to the to the offensive line in a second because. Before Max Mitchell got hurt, well, we'll talk about it in a second, but he had he had Uzama there. So, like, those are the kinds of plays that, like you said, it's a very coachable, it's a teachable thing where, like, they're going to sit in the film room t- today or Tuesday, and they're going to say, all right, Zach, this this kind of stuff, this is like, right, let's play a little bit smarter next week. Let's let's take care of the ball a little bit more. Let's, you know, find an easier read for yourself so we can just pick up a few yards so not every off-platform play, off-schedule play, when a play breaks down – is taking those shots that he doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah, and, and didn't connect the dots till you laid it out. But we we can we can huff on some major copium here, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, that those misses in the flat to Garrett and Brees, those are rookies that he probably didn't run those plays a lot with, right? Where where mm-hmm. Michael Carter and then a Braxton Berrios or an Elijah Moore is probably the ones throughout camp that was getting those first team reps with them in like a bubble screen wide receiver screen type such right. situation. So you, you hope that it's like, Hey, they, they talk through it and next time they execute on it, get more reps in practice, keep building. Right. And, and, yeah. and I, sure I, I think it'll continue to build. I really do. I think we, the, unlike previous young quarterbacks, we have really put together a group of position players that can help the quarterback, which is right. absolutely massive. And I mentioned on the discord today, so this is like, it's apparent that he has he has chemistry with with Corey Davis, right? Because Corey was he was connecting with Corey all last year. I mean, aside from the drops when Corey couldn't beat the bum allegations, but he he was connecting with Corey a lot last year, and we saw it in training camp. We saw it in the regular season. He started developing chemistry with Elijah Moore, and Elijah Moore was coming into his own towards the end of last year, and then he got hurt, and Zach got hurt, and, and they couldn't really get on the same page. But you saw that starting to develop, right? So it's not like. They had a full 17 games last year playing together and they both figured it out at the same time. Right. And that's starting to develop now. That's starting to continue now where Zach is going to get on the same page with Elijah and they're going to figure it out. And it's the same thing with Garrett Wilson. We're like, yes, Garrett Wilson's an electric player and you hope that he's going to develop that chemistry with Garrett Wilson. But the reason that Garrett Wilson was good in the first four weeks of the season or three weeks of the season is because Joe Flacco was playing with him during training camp. And he he developed that chemistry with him during training camp, a luxury that Zach did not have. So um, I, these things take time. They take patience when they and I forget which play it was. Um, I think it was on the play that he threw the ball sidearm when they were in the red zone. He threw the ball sidearm into Minka Fitzpatrick and Fitzpatrick almost picked whatever. Um, but you saw him looking. I think it was at Braxton saying you got to cut in in the end zone rather than just planting there. So. And you saw another time during the game where Zach and Garrett Wilson were talking on the sideline and it looked like they were working through those route, those route um, nuances. And like, 
I love it. Like I'm geeking out watching that. Cause I'm like, these are two guys that want to figure it out. They want to get on the same page. So it's coming, man. It's coming. I feel it coming. I see it coming. Hold the jokes. But I, I do think that it's, it, we're right on the doorstep. Maybe it's going to take a couple more games. We're right on the doorstep of seeing all of these skill position players really coming together and gelling well. Yeah. So, so not to put a damper on it, but man, if there's one thing that's going to hold it back, it's the, the, <laughs> the continually growing pile of injuries on specifically at the the offensive tackle spot, man. Like, how many more can there be? Y- y- Hold on. There's one. There's one sound I hope comes through the microphone that I hope. I don't know if if people heard the opening of the tequila bottle there, but that's what it feels like when I watch this offensive line. Yeah, it's yeah, no good. No it, point, it, look, it looks like Max, Max Mitchell is going to be at. Sounds like he's probably going to go on IR. I, I found the play he got hurt on. He kind of folded back, did the splits, did not look good. Big, big yeah. guys should not bend that way. <laughs> um, uh, dislocated kneecap, I think it is. So you're hoping probably post by he'll be available. So it's like, man, we we're gonna we're gonna be limping along. I know we just signed two two new offensive tackles. We have. Vera Tucker, who, like, hey, man, awesome that he was able to kick over. I know there's that tweet about, like, hey, how did this whole thing evolve? And it's like, like, hey, Elijah, probably after the Dwayne Brown injury, probably knew, like, hey, this might be something I need to do. And he just started yeah. doing it on his own time, taking, mm-hmm. like, his own mental reps, his own physical reps at left tackle after hours and stuff. And then, like, hey, it, and it makes sense, right? Our, our interior depth is way better than our tackle depth right and 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 he wasn't wasn't elite wasn't amazing but it's like passable he did he did what he needed to do and it and it was good and we survived we moved to the next week and the the, the question you have to ask yourself is like is playing elijah vera tucker out there better than playing connor mcdermott like what's their floor right and i know a lot of evaluations in the scouting all say the same thing that yeah, he's not an NFL level tackle, which is fine. But if he can be that emergency guy, where you hope it doesn't get to that point. But if he could be that emergency guy that like, okay, maybe you could play him out at tackle for a game or two if you really need it, and he could be serviceable. That's a that's a big help, man. It really is. Like, and you don't want to have to keep shuffling the offensive line around because we see what happens when that happens is that these guys don't develop chemistry, they don't gel together they're not playing off each other well, which is what I think happened on, on Sunday, because now you have Herbig in there at, at right guard and you have uh, Vera Tucker at, at left tackle. And all of a sudden it's like Lakin Tomlinson is already playing with his, his third tackle of the year. Right. And now we got Dwayne Brown coming back. So potentially be his fourth tackle of the year. And it's, it's just no good. It's no good. Um, the, the one poor mid max, man, uh, I, I was going to mention this before, but it's like, this was the first game with Mitchell and it's largely because the, without TJ Watt, the Steelers did, don't have like that true edge rush. I mean, uh, Highsmith is good, but um, he's not, you know, nobody's mistaking him for, for TJ Watt, of course, but it was the one game. It was the first game this year that Ma- they threw Max out on the Island. They said, all right, dude, sink or swim, like go figure it out, bro. And he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. He ends up getting hurt. Like, Again, we we knew heading into the season that this was going to be a redshirt year for him, potentially. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. So 
Get well soon, Max. We love you. We love you having the Jets Discord. I, I appreciate you very much. Uh, even if you are slightly of a meme player, I do appreciate that you've been at least serviceable to this point in the season. Yeah, and then uh, so you touched on a couple things. So, so I wanted to mention Dwayne Brown. I know they're evaluating whether or not to take him off IR, and and once they take him off IR, it's it doesn't that doesn't necessarily trigger the fact like once he returns to practice, that doesn't trigger the fact that he's necessarily going to play. They have three weeks then once that once he starts practicing from the play. Um, on Vera Tucker there. I think something that's lost and and I I think rightfully people are giving him some flowers, like awesome, awesome. Like the fact that he was able to do that, that he was willing to do that for the team that he played pretty well. Awesome. Help at the end of the day, helped us get a W. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's not going to be something. And not that I think anyone thinks that it should be like, Hey, just stick them there the rest of the year. Like we definitely should not do that. But you see some of the warts that come of moving AVT there. Like right. his best asset is getting him out in space, getting him to the second level, pulling him as a guard in, in the run game. And at left tackle, he can't do that, right? Right. And then his replacement, Herbig, he's he's not moving in space like AVT does, right? And and you saw that on the Braxton Berrios um, bubble screen, of, tun- tunnel screen, where where <laughs> they all like every O line just went out in front and like blocked straight up nobody it was, it was awful <laughs> but it's like oh man if avt was able to run out there like he's at least pancaking that first linebacker right mm-hmm. he's and, and then you're you're just making barrios make one guy miss as opposed to make right. three guys miss so it's like hey there are downsides and it's like yeah it's better than having mcdermott at left tackle i do agree with that but right um just wanted to throw that out there before the the hype train goes a little bit too far right yeah it, it's just it's it's just and and I listen. I'm gonna I want to start a, a, a fire here, but when you trade up for AVT, I, I don't I don't even feel like I should go here. I probably shouldn't because I know exactly which users are gonna come after me on the Discord, and maybe even you. But when you trade up for AVT, this is kind of what you're looking for, right? This is like the versatility helps. The fact that you think he can be he can play to an All Pro level at some point obviously helps. Just saying, the fact that he went in there and left tackle and and did the thing just for a game, just for a game, I don't want to say it justifies the trade-up. I don't want to say it doesn't. I'm just saying maybe that's part of why you do it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All I'll, I'm saying. I'll leave it as as winning uh, winning absolves all sins. So I, I, that's, keep that's keep awesome. winning and let's roll, baby. <laughs> <laughs> winning is the ultimate deodorant, as they say. Yeah, yeah so, well, so the... Good. I was gonna say that you know part of, you know, unfortunately the the the, the offensive line issues, you saw it with the running game this week. They could not get anything going on first down. Michael Carter can only make so many dudes miss in the backfield, right? Like, Brees Hall couldn't get anything going. Like he did have a, a couple nice runs right up the gut. Which listen, he's learning. He's Dude, learning. he he is and he's and- learning. You know, you know, I've been as critical of not only the Brees pick, but Brees as a player. Right. I've probably been more critical of Brees as a player than anyone other than me. Uh, me and Fuzzy, I think, are are the leaders of the anti-Brees camp just as a player. <laughs> right. Totally right. taking the totally taking the value and the draft pick and all of that out of the equation. Like 
a lot of the struggles that you saw the first couple games was like, hey, this is what he was in college. It just didn't matter because he was better than everyone in college, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I and I've said this multiple times, especially the past couple of days, he is improving. He is being coached. He is getting north-south. And, and the, the part that no one will notice because it's not sexy, it's not flashy, He's been pretty darn good in pass protection. Yes, he has. And I've been keying in on that because that was the one spot where it's like, man, he wasn't great in college. He's got the profile, and that's also something that Michael Carter cannot do, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Carter will never be able to be a good pass protector just because he, he's tiny, right? And so it's like, man, you're looking for Brees to take that role, cement himself as that third down role so we never have to see Ty Johnson again. And dude, he's been he's been good. He has been good in pass pro, and and that, and especially in the modern NFL, pass happy modern NFL, being able to pass protect, being able to have value, not as a pass catcher, as a rusher, and as a pass protector, opens up so much diversity in looks and in play calls, and it gets you on the field. I know a lot of people have been saying, "Man, we need more Brees Hall." This is how you get on the field. You attack north south and you protect the quarterback and he, he's doing it he's still got to fix the hands a little bit he's got to he's probably got to dial up the jugs a little bit from joe flacco to, to zach wilson speed right but but yeah I, hats off breeze is is getting better every single week man you should see Slizz's face right now it's like it's like that one meme of the guy like crying underneath the the smiling face mask like it's it's very much that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I made you do that on this podcast. Let's hey, and I never the, said that the, the Brees Hall pick was worth it. I, <laughs> I never said that, and I, I don't Listen, think I ever will. But I understand that. Good. I understand that the 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 you know running back is the most like A to B position, and it's a, from college to the NFL, right? Like we all know that. Um, but that's why I say, man, patience. A little bit of patience. Don't worry, Jermaine Johnson's coming too. I'm, I'm gonna get you next week on Jermaine Johnson, who's who's graded out pretty well. I mean, Ank Ank said it. You know, you don't want your first round edge def- edge pick to to get most of his good grade, his most of his good PFF grade as a run defender, but it still matters, man. Like, uh, it, I will it still say matters at the end of the day. He 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 is exceeding expect. I'll, I'll say he's exceeding expectations. But and we're gonna get into defensive line rotation and snap counts. But this is what and and we touched on this. I think maybe our very first episode. This is what his usage is gonna be this year. He's very good in run defense. He has a lot to work on as a pass rusher. You're seeing the motor in pass rush, which is awesome. That's the not that's the part that isn't coachable. That's why presumably our our coaching staff falls in love with a guy like Jermaine Johnson. And and you're seeing just in general too. And and Jermaine Johnson's a good example. AVT is a good example. And like, man, our coaches, our GM, like it's, it's always the easiest thing to clown, especially when you're a losing franchise. Like, Oh, we want, we want good football character guys. We want guys that love football. You're seeing some of that start to pay off when it aligns with the talent, when you're changing that culture, when you're starting to get, when you're starting to get the wheels turning, uh, right. you know, it's like, oh, it does matter a little bit, right? It does right. matter. <laughs> Man, we're, we're all about the intangibles on today's episode, huh? I love it. I love it. It makes me so happy. Um, So so there's plenty. There's still plenty of bad to go over here. So the penalties like are, are not good. Um, 
Carl Lawson hitting Trubisky on that on the Hail Mary at the end of half. Like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like he just especially after JFM gets hit with one last week or the week before and, and versus the Bengals, and all of a sudden you're like, come on, man. Like, you can't be doing that stuff. Um CJ Mosley, another one. Like, dude, what are you doing? Throwing elbows to the liver, bro. Like, you should know better. You should know better. Corey Davis, another one, the block in the back on that screen, on that Garrett Wilson screen. And I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, like, they overcame it, which is awesome. Penalties are going to happen, but penalties in the shape of holding calls, defensive holding calls, pass interference, obviously, which is very subjective. That stuff is going to happen, but the procedural stuff, the ineligible man downfield, um, you know, late hits, the, the personal foul stuff, it can't keep happening. It cannot keep happening. Yeah, big time. And it's always disappointing, too. Like, every player you name there is a veteran, right? Like, right. They, sh- they should know better. They should be better, right? But, I mean, I I don't want the, to the – the Carl Lawson's really the killer, right? It's like, right. man, we left at least three on the board with that interception, and we gave them three. Like, that mm-hmm. swung a ton of momentum. They get picked out in the second. It's like – Right. Like that is how you lose games is by giving teams big momentum swings like that. And like you said, thankfully we overcame it. We got to do a little bit better there, mm-hmm. but man, I got to give the defense it's flowers. No longer the 32nd ranked DVOA defense. <laughs> Not that I think 90% of Twitter actually looks at what DVOA actually means. They just see 32nd and it's like, Oh man, the jets defense stinks. It's like, yeah, but it's not the worst clearly. But man, they look good, and and the Joiner Redemption Tour, yeah, the, the Jordan Whitehead Redemption Tour, yeah, like Bryce Huff, baby, finally, like thank yeah. you, coaching staff, swallowed the pride <laughs> a little bit, and it's like, man, that is the usage that you wanted. It's like you're not gonna give him a ton of reps because the edge room's super full, and. He's really not a good run defender, but man, can that dude rush the passer? And man, did it make a tangible difference on third down, yeah. which we've been bad. And I know there's a step that, that I think Rich Smini has been floating around about us being, I think, the worst team at getting off the field on third down through four yeah. weeks. A lot of it was weeks one through three because we looked a lot better this week. And and Bryce Huff made a difference. He, he had pressures. He drew penalties like it's night and day. I'm I'm putting Jacob Martin on the side of a uh, milk carton, man. I, I of all the signings that didn't, I mean, you looked at the numbers and you said to yourself, okay, Jacob Martin's a good rotational piece and like he can get in there on third down. But when Bryce Huff shows up and all of a sudden he's outperformed anything that Jacob Martin has done this year, it's like, all right, all right, JD, that's that might be a, a little bit of a swing and a miss there. Um, Jacob Martin has not done anything of value this year. He's done nothing but run five Ks past the quarterback, like. That's that's what he's done. Like that that's been Jacob Barn this year. And I didn't like Salah's answer saying hopefully we can find something along the lines of we can hopefully we can find more opportunities for him. No. Like you are not in a position right now where you can't play your best period your best period ed- edge defenders. And it's not like Bryce Huff is a guy who's just a cold figure. He's a guy that's produced. Yeah. He has produced on this team. It's not a matter of like finding these Greg Dorches of the world or whoever else during the Isaiah Duns of the world during training camp and all of a sudden saying to yourself, all right, well, I hope this guy, you know, he makes a team and he's good. Bryce Huff is a guy that's produced and and he's he needs to be active on Sundays. He needs to be on the field, period. Full stop. There should be no debates around him now. Yeah, definitely. And just in general, man, like 
and we talk about our cornerback duo too and and i leave mc2 out of that a little bit and he's played well but like the mismatch is evident at times especially against mm-hmm. a team like the steelers with three three tall receivers but like dj reed is a stud sauce is good man like our corners are gonna be a problem for a lot of teams and and not to get ahead it's gonna be interesting this week man with waddle and, and tyree kill one of the probably one of the best duos in the league like this is this is why you invest in the cornerback room is for yep. this matchup this week right yep but man they've been awesome absolutely awesome sauce has been good man sauce is like I'll raise my hand on that. Uh, the Tim Duncan style, like, okay, that's on me. I wasn't crazy about drafting a cornerback top five. Me neither. It, it, I mean, it's probably, ultimately, it's it's definitely about, you know, th- maybe some of it is PTSD surrounding D. Milliner. Some of it is cornerback is a very, very hard position to project at the next level, if you're asking me. Um, but sauce has been sauce. Like what's the what's the uh, the sweet baby race slogan? The sauce is boss, right? That's oh yeah, baby. <laughs> that that's sauce has been every bit as good. And what's nice is that he's playing mentally at a higher level. I forget who it was that said it. It might have been Michael Carter, the second, who said after the game is he the the interception to to Michael Carter. He baited he baited uh, Pickett into that throw, and like when you're thinking on that level as a rookie you love to see it and you love to hear it. Sauce has been good. I'm I'm very happy with him. Big, big matchup this weekend. We'll get to the flight plan in a little bit, but I, I you love to see it. You just love to see it. Both of these guys, DJ Reed too. And I know, and I know again, like leadership, like the intangible stuff doesn't mean a lot to Discord. It doesn't mean a lot. But when he said last week, we need to we need to iron these things out. We need to figure this out. And they had their their meeting with the coaches and the players and they and you saw it yesterday. No miscommunications. Nobody was pointing at anybody before snap. No one was saying, all right, where should I be? Where should you be? Some of that is because the Steelers' defense is vanilla. I mean, offense is vanilla. I get it. But it's just so awesome to see that it's starting to come together a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Well, keep stacking it, right? Keep stacking that's it. it. That's it. But, that's, but, that's what matters. I think the last point we had here, and, and this ties into the, the offensive line, like, Man, I really hope Lake and Tomlinson puts it together. Like, I know he's had a lot of moving pieces next to him on the left side, but he has been an absolute dud in in all phases, right? He he hasn't been good in space. He hasn't been good in run block. He hasn't been good in pass pro. Like, if there's one dude on this team way underperforming, especially at the contract we gave him, well, CJ Mosley's in that bucket too, but Lake and Tomlinson, you at least expected more out of, especially being a guy who knows this offense, who is brought in as a veteran leader to shore up and give us one of the better interiors in the league. It's like, man, we need more from him, especially with the tackle stuff going on. We need him to step up. Right. And and the thing about Lake, and you mentioned the screenplay before to Berrios, and you saw Herbig out there, and you saw you saw Lakin out there, and like I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, dude, Lakin's just kind of like loafing over to his block, and and like, it, it was bad. It was it like, man, drove, this dude, this me... dude was just like hitting the golden, the golden crowd affair or something. <laughs> it's just like it, 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 it just, it's it pained me to watch it on replay. 
Cause like, it's one thing if a guy is like, he's putting the effort to make a block, but like Lakin just, he got there late and then he didn't put hands on anybody. And it's just like, I, I know that I'm going to go on a limb and say that he's not a player who's, he's not, we're not going to get Mo Wilked by him. We're not going to get Muhammad Wilkerson by him. I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he figures it out. Cause like you said, he's been, he's been a big nothing burger so far, big nothing burger. And you hope yeah. the potential return of Dwayne Brown, you know, whenever that may be playing next to him, will give him a little bit more stability. Connor, Connor McGovern's kind of flown under the radar this year. He's also been not very good. Um, so we'll see, man. We'll see. But like you said, Lakin, the rest of that offensive line in state of flux, but Lakin doesn't get much of a, much of a pass here. And I'll, I'll say good quarterback play masks offensive line deficiency helps yes. the offensive line a lot. So yes. if we get more fourth quarter, Zach, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> Let's talk about a good player, Sliz. Let's talk about this week's Top Gun. Um, uh, uh, good player is not a term that a lot of people <laughs> would use to describe him, which is why I made him the Top Gun. I know Joe Blewett put it out there. Perennially, forever hated Corey Davis, CD84 is my top gun. And and there are a couple candidates, and, and but I didn't feel like there was like a real true standout. I thought this was a good team win with a ton of different guys contributing. But it's like even year Corey Davis, and, and Fuzzy's pointing this out a lot, even year Corey Davis is the thing. And we're we're in the year 2022, baby. It is an even year. And man, those catches on the on those last couple drives were phenomenal there are a couple throws where it's like man Zach, like zach that was not a, a that was not a great throw like it's it's high it's out in front of him it's like dude this dude put the butter fingers away he's not eating any popcorn this year it was like <laughs> there's the one he just i, I don't know i i would he he got me going man he he was snatching balls on the on those last couple drives and it's like you know Corey Davis is a is a garbage time machine, even when he's getting game winning drives, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Top Gun Corey Davis wanted a shout out because he is one of the most overhated Jets in in a long time. Very reasonable contract, good player, and and he he like you said he's got something. He's got chemistry with Zach. Like we we need him to continue to do that and help our young quarterback out. That's why you have Corey there. The reason that we hate Sliz is because we care. Okay. Let's be that. The reason we hate is because we care. Listen, I I've been number one, Corey Davis hater uh, since last year. And, and some of that is because he had a, let's be fair. He had a very bad year last year between the drops, the, the health issues, like whatever the case may be, he did have chemistry with Zach, but he, he was very, he did not live up to, the hype, the preseason hype. But this year, all right, through four games. Okay. And and the and the cool thing about it too is like there's so much attention being paid to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson that Corey Davis just can just like fly under the radar and like make these plays. And it never has to be one of them, right? Like last year it had to be Corey Davis, right? Uh, because Elijah Moore is a rookie and you're still expecting more out of Davis, even at Elijah Moore's talent level. This year it doesn't have to just be him. But when he's targeted, he's put on a show. He's been very, very good. Very good. So 
Yeah. No I, debate I, here. No debate here. But I am just glad that the, the Conklin target that turned into an interception, I am so glad that was not Corey because he, <laughs> his head would be on a spike right now, man. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just very glad that was not Corey. That's all. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Conklin, Conklin will make his way onto geek of the week at some point. So there, there's that, but uh, yeah, this week's top gun, Corey Davis, especially on that last drive, he made, he made three great, great catches. Like, and all three were very difficult catches. They weren't easy catches, three great catches. And then listen, that one, that one pass that he threw, that Zach threw to like to the 20 yard line where he was falling down replay, maybe showed that maybe he didn't come down with it. The ball definitely looked like he was touching the ground there. We'll let it go though. We'll let it go. They, they, you know, we'll let it go. That's fine. All right. So this is, this is all you baby. This is the King's court. Um, you're, there's been a lot, a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Quentin Williams, his snap share, his usage this year. What do the people need to know about, Quinnen Williams and how he's being deployed in 2022. Yeah, so I want to I want to make some key points on this. And, and very first off, shout out to my man Smallchimp. He he's working on a web app that's going to get all this data in all your hands. But this dude is pulling snap by snap information, formation information. Like he's pulling, he's putting together some good stuff. Can't wait till it's together and I can I can share it and and get him get him get him the do. He he's Get give him his due because he's putting together some good stats for us. But and number two, I want to make this very clear: Quinnen is a stud, and he should be playing a lot. That said, there's been a lot made since the Jeff Ulbrich comment about Quinnen and his snap share and the D line rotation, and it's like, hey, you're not hearing that right now because our D line looked good, right? Like. People aren't like all up in a tizzy about the rotation when it looks good and Quinnen looks good. And funny enough, his snap share this week was actually way lower than last week, especially in the first half. But I wanted to just give background on what our rotation is. It's very similar to what it was under Greg Williams, too. Like it's a normal rotation, especially on the interior. You had Quinnen gets two drives on and then he'll get one off but he's still keeping third down duties. And if we ever have fourth down or goal line duties, he's still in on those packages. So it's like at a surface level, that makes a lot of sense. If we get off the field quickly, then his snap share goes up. Right. So, so he's been playing like on one of his on, um, on drive. So like the very first drive of the game, the Steelers had, had, I think like 10 plays or something. He'll have five to six plays on. They'll swap him out for three and then get him back on. So it is very much a rotation, getting him a breather there. But it's like, I I just want, it's two drives on, one off, and he's getting all the critical snaps, right? He's He played all but three. It was like three out of a combined 28, I think. Third down and fourth down snaps over the past two weeks. And in the first half of the Bengals game, his snap share was over 70%. Like, it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. Connor Hughes actually really contextualized it well. Like, we're 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 talking about like three snaps a week, right? It's not game breaking. And 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 I think Quinnen can take the extra load. But I wanted to also add this nugget because it is it's very, very important. 
2019, Quinnen missed three games. 2020, Quinnen Williams missed three games. 2021, he had off-season foot surgery, missed all of training camp, missed one game, but he played the back hat or the back quarter, back third of the year with a shoulder injury the whole time and and was clearly not himself at times. This rotation is is as much keeping them fresh for that game as it is keeping them fresh for the entire season. Quinnen can't help us in week 17, in week 16, and week 15 if we're giving them an 80% snap share this week, right? He is a guy who has shown he needs to be managed a little bit with his health. We need to get him, help him get across the finish line. I think this is part of it, and I get I don't want Nate Shepard out there either. That's that's a to- Nathan Shepard being the guy taking his spot is a totally separate issue from the rotation itself. And I and people are conflating the two a little bit and I get why. But just wanted to I just wanted to put those stats out there because if you ask people, "Hey, don't give me a, a snap percentage number. What would you want Quinnen to do?" It's like, "Well, I want him you know, like if you were to ask me before I looked up all like this is what I would have said. No, and I knew that's what we did under Greg Williams. It's like, man, I want him on every every third drive and critical down, and I want him at least playing two out of every three. And he's doing that. If we go three and out every every single drive, if we force three and outs, he's playing seventy percent of snaps on the dot. So, just wanted to give some numbers, give some stats, contextualize it a little bit. Ideally, as especially as the late season goes on, and if we have critical games and tight games. Ideally, he's getting more snaps, but take a breath. It is far, 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 far from the biggest issue on this team, especially after that week three loss where we had issues all over the place. That it, it is, it is well down on the issue, the list of, and and I really think it's more because people are looking for someone to beat up on, and Jeff Ulbrich is the easy guy to beat up on. And he's the one that has the quotes around all of it. I really think that's what it comes down to. Like I said, after week four, after this last week, I doubt even I doubt anyone even looked up Quinn and snap percentage. Never mind noticed that it actually went down from week three. So quarter's closed. That's the stats. Just putting it out there. Do with it, it just, as you will. It it just goes to show you that like when things go right and when Sauce Gardner or Lamarcus Joyner aren't blowing things on the back end and when CJ Mosley isn't chasing a dude 15 yards down the field, then it, it just goes to show that like it doesn't I mean, you don't want to say it doesn't matter as much, but it's not a, as big of an issue as people are making it seem. Like yeah. you said, I think people are coming after Ulbrich because he's easy target. I understand. And it's one of those things that like media literacy and, you know, I teach a class at Rutgers Liz and I'm obviously working media, but like people saw Ulbrich's quote about Quinn and Williams huffing and puffing on the sideline or whatever, trying to catch his breath. But what they failed to realize is that Ulbrich is trying to say he's working his ass off the entire game. It's, it's not about like him being out of shape, out of condition. It's that he's working the entire game and he's putting in the effort and that he's just trying to help him get through the entire game Without having the, the without falling the dropping dead of a heart attack in the fourth quarter. Hey, very very subtle camera work. Um, there was the play where Quinn and Williams chased down Trubisky, scrambling and pushing him out of bounds on the the bottom right sideline. Right. And after that, they sub Quinn and out obviously because he just like busted tail halfway across the field to chase down quarterback. Right. And they got a shot of Quinn and huffing and puffing on the sideline. Right. <laughs> like I was of just course. like, yes. Of <laughs> 
like it's just, it's just you know that's that's what they do. These people are smart. These production people are smart. But listen, at the end of the day, like when you compare his numbers to like a DeForest DeForest Buckner or whoever else, it's like yes, it it won't be as high as that. But like he's still making the most of his snaps when he's on the field. I, I just think this whole thing is ridiculous. DeForest Buckner who recorded zero tackles in week four, by the way. There, there is something, and maybe it's chicken and the egg, but there is something like Quinnen is having, he's having a breakout season. Part of it's part, a big part of its health. A big part of it is just him taking a leap. But I, I really do think they're, they're like, these coaches aren't like they coach football for a living. They, there's a reason why they're rotating players out. And it is, they tell you it's to keep them fresh. And when he's putting up the production like this, it's like, yes, you're always going to want more. But there is a there's a breaking point where once you cross that breaking point and I don't think we're at the breaking point, to be very clear, I do think we could give him a bigger snap share. But there's a breaking point where you're either getting diminishing returns or you're just you're getting negative value then out of gas in him. And then maybe he's not available for that critical down, not available for that critical goal line stand. Right. So you, you got to keep all that in context and. Just wanted to just wanted to present some info. Like I said, do with it as you will, and we'll move on. <laughs> Real quick, I just want to give a, a really really quick shout out to Sheldon Rankins, who's been very good this year. Yeah, he's been very he's, good. This he's, year. he's been phenomenal, and and he was awful last year. I honestly wanted to cut him in the preseason because he was not based on his salary that his play last year. He was not worth his salary this year. Uh, another year removed from surgery, removed from his injury, a full off season. He's been playing well, man. He he has been absolutely great. All right, so let's, let's move on. Uh, let, let's take a look at Week Five. This is this is the first like we we've run the AFC North gauntlet. We're bringing it to the AFC East, and they have their first matchup against Miami Dolphins. The Tua list Miami Dolphins at home. Thankfully, uh, what what are you kind of expecting from this game, Slows? I, I think this is a, a difficult matchup, and and I'm, this is one where make sure you have those injury report notifications on during the week, not only for the Jets, but for the Dolphins, right? Um, Xavier Howard left the game injured last week, and I believe Byron Jones, their their other corner, two, two Pro Bowl, two phenomenal corners, have both been battling injuries. Those are absolutely huge. I know they have some offensive line injuries as well. So, so monitor the injury report, obviously watching our tackle situation, but watching those guys as well. Um, I don't know. You get, you get two staffs that are very intimately familiar with each other. Right. And, and the, um, the, the dolphins media asked Mike McDaniel about Sala and he had kind of a cool story about him and stuff like these guys have, have been coaching together for like 15 years. Right. They Mm -hmm. are very intimate with each other. So It'll be kind of a cool chess match in that respect. Uh, I think no Tua, um, and, and I know that the Tua turned the ball over is the big meme. I know Jets fans in general have been like, Tua's been pretty good this year. That before Concussion stuff aside, right? And and I, I'm glad that we don't have to get Tua. I think Bridgewater is a much, he's a, he's a, he's, Bridgewater is what he is at this point. He, I think, is going to work within the offense. He's a lot less dynamic, and I think he he's not as good in the RPO as Tua is. He doesn't kind of give you that totally different look with a left-handed QB as well. So I don't know. It's it's 
it's a winnable game. It's not a game I expect to win, if that makes sense. Um, it's going to be a huge test for our corners, man. Is probably the biggest thing, right? And we've we the past two weeks we've had some bigger tests, but we have not seen this amount of speed. Waddle and Tyreek Hill is that that is an absolute like firecracker. NFL is about explosive plays. These two are are explosive, right? So it'll be interesting to see how we attack them and and how Mike Mike McDaniel is going to scheme to. He knows what we're going to run on defense of all weeks to mix it up. We got to we got to do something, otherwise we're going to get picked apart back there. Just gotta do do the uh, end of half prevent defense, man. Like like they did last week and like they did at the end of game versus uh, Cleveland. Just like a, a one one down lineman, everybody else running coverage. Just make a tackle somewhere. That that's the uh, that's their best hope. I think. No, but yeah, well, well, you you hope our you hope our defensive line and and Quinn and Williams being the big name, right? You hope he, they can that that offensive line still isn't very good. Mm-hmm. And, and with with Teddy back there, like Tua got the ball out super duper quick. Teddy's not as quick on the trigger, right? That it all starts up front. It's always started up front with this defense with the scheme. It, it's got to be big on that side, and then. Like we we need we need Zach to turn up honestly and and we need to get the run game going. I think Miami's yes. pretty stout on the interior, but especially like Melvin Ingram, and and he's had a heck of a year so far for them. It's like you got to run at Melvin Ingram. You got to put him on his on his butt, help your tackles out. And and I know I talked on about being people being especially critical on Michael Fleur and how much we ran on first down last week against Pittsburgh and how unsuccessful it was. But it's like you do that for two reasons, three reasons. You do that because Zach's back in his first game. You're trying to ease him in. You're doing that because you have a ton of offensive line movement and and you don't really trust your tackles. So you're trying to give them the best chance to settle into the game, to, to attack early and get the, get the defenders on the back foot. And then you're doing it to set up play action, RPO action, all that later in the game, right? So I expect we're still going to do that in this game. And, and Melvin Ingram's the guy we got to attack either right at him or stretch it out and, and get outside of him in, in my mind. I really want to see, there's a few things I want to, excuse me, there's a few things I want to see. Sliz. I want to see them start faster, not just in the game, but on first down. I, I'm tired of seeing first down runs not go anywhere. I want to see them run the ball outside more. I don't understand. And, and I understand like, especially in the last game where you're playing AVT at left tackle. So you really don't have the option as much to pull your guards. But I, I, I also like, it's been a thing all year where we haven't really been running outside as much as I thought we would be. Um, we haven't done anything off tackle. There's been very minimal sweeps. Like Brees almost took one on a similar play on, on a toss where he cut the, cuts the ball and he almost, almost scores a touchdown last game. But it's something that I haven't seen a lot of, like we haven't seen a lot of this year. So there's that. And I just, you mentioned it. It's got to be Zach. Zach's got to turn up. Um, he's got to, he's got to turn up. He's got to turn up. And, and thankfully, uh, the, the game against Pittsburgh was probably a good one in, in the sense where he, he had to worry about Minka on the back end all game. And it's going to be the same thing just with Javon Holland. Javon Holland right. is good. Right. And, and, and it's kind of interesting. Right. I think a forgotten facet of, Pittsburgh is uh, Flores. Brian Flores ended up in Pittsburgh, and they're doing some similar things there. 
where Miami, they kept their defensive coordinator. They're going to run that cover zero, heat you up type of play, especially with our offensive line, especially right. with the young quarterback. We got to get the quick passing game going, man. We got to yeah. get going. I'd love to see some running back screens, ideally to the left side, since Zach can't apparently throw a short right. <laughs> but I'd love to to see one or two of those wrinkled in just to, to, to slow the rush down a little bit. Right. And I mean, there were times where it looked like we were doing a running back screen just because we blocked so poorly. Right. <laughs> but, but we need to, we do need to do some things. And you ask, oh, is it, why is, why is Mike LaFleur doing all this creative stuff with, with QB tossbacks and, you know, having Braxton Berrios do a throw on a sweep and all that? It's because of the, it's because of the offensive line woes. It's because you're, he's trying to neuter that rush. So just continuing to do that will be big, allow Zach to get into a rhythm. And especially if some of those corners are out, man, it's like, let's attack them. Let's get in on slants. Let, let's let Garrett cooked over the middle. We get, let's, let's get the ball in and out of the hands quick, hit, hit the, hit the, the peak of your three-step drop ball out. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we need to do that pretty much all game. Cause they're going to try to heat you up like they did. And, and, you know, kind of the quintessential game was that Lamar Jackson Thursday night game where they just ran cover zero at him and, and Lamar, couldn't do anything about it right it's like we hope we need zach to not look like lamar did that that week right and and a lot of that comes down to game planning a lot of that is on the shoulders of the offensive staff to come up with a game plan that protects your quarterback in that situation mm-hmm. all right Sliz. uh it's that time let me fire up the stop clock um it is time to go around the league in roughly 60 seconds and away we go Spooky season is in full effect. Terrifying scenes as Tua is stretchered off on Thursday night football as the Bengals beat the Dolphins. Meanwhile, on Monday night, the 49ers take an axe to the Rams as San Fran murders L.A. Josh McDaniels escapes the chopping block as Vegas downs Denver. The Pack beat the Pats on a Mason Crosby kick, while Cooper and the Cowboys kick the crap out of the Commanders. The Vikings outlast New Orleans as the Saints go marching out of London. The Bolts stop the Texans, the Titans top the Colts, the Bills beat B-more, and the Bucks suck versus the Chiefs on Sunday night. Oh, you didn't know? Kyler and the Redbirds beat Baker and the Panthers, while Mayfield's former squad, the Browns, goes cold versus Hotlanta. The Lions offense stays hot, but Motown is less town in a loss to the Seahawks, and the Eagles keep soaring in a win over Dougie P and the Lawrence boys. Justin Fields was right there for a loss as Big Blue hands Chicago a slice of New York-style humble pie. And that is Around the League in roughly 60 seconds. Man, Justin Fields, he was right there. He was. Dude, I don't know if you've looked at like power rankings or anything this week. Uh, I know NRA Forever is one of the Jets graders on um, – uh, the the NFL subreddit, so he'll kind of float his grades by us in the Discord and and ask for comments. And it's like, man, there's like a, a like two or three teams at the top, like the Chiefs, the Eagles, and it's like, dude, there's a lot of teams that's like, that there's a lot of teams that are like not very good. It feels like like every there's so many flawed teams out there. It's a weird year, man. It is a very weird year. Um. It's it's funny because you look at the AFC West, right? Everybody was saying, "Oh, well, this division's going to be four teams competing for you know playoff spots." But the Chiefs have their issues trying to figure out without Tyreek. I know they put up forty-one points on Sunday night, but 
they're still trying to navigate without Tyreek Hill, right? Um, the Raiders, I mean, Josh McDaniels is who could have seen that? Who could have seen that coming? I mean, Rough. you know, who could have seen that coming aside from most people? Um, everything, everything with Denver right now just looks not very good. I mean, Patrick Sertan is good. Russell Wilson is not very good. It's and I want to say Ank threw it out there earlier in the offseason when they traded for Russell and like that offense, the receivers that they have don't fit Russell's skill set. It's he's very much, you know, a huck it, chuck it down the field, but they didn't really have the personnel to do that. A lot of what they were geared toward was middle of the field, 10 to 19 yards, intermediate range, you know, make a, make a guy move, you know, good route runners. And Wilson's never been that guy. So, uh, and then you have the chargers who are still, you know, trying to figure out what they have in Brandon Staley and, and how to, how to overcome a million and a half injuries. Poor dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rashawn Slay, that sucks. That's yeah. man. Um, yeah. yeah. I just want to yeah. point out, like, it's a, it's a weird, like, I mean, you, you've shouted it from the start schedule. Doesn't seem, or isn't no. always what it seems like. Man, never, the schedule, never, never, never. The league is weird this year. And like, yeah. And th- this is probably looking too far ahead, but it's like games like Denver and green Bay that you had like, totally X'd off, like no shot in those games. And, and that's tough because those are both on the road, right? right. So that, that probably tilts the scales, but it's like those games don't look as bad as they looked in the preseason and the offseason. Like those games look kind of you know, like we should have a shot. If we, keep, we shouldn't if be blown building. off the field. We right. shouldn't be blown off the field. They got to keep building, man. And then games like the Jags and the Lions, it's like I understand the Lions can't stop a nosebleed, but at the same time, it's like they're they're putting up forty points a game. Like they can't yeah. be stopped. They can't see like offense is is clicking. You know, oh, um, yeah. but glass can. <laughs> I say I say it. I say it every every single freaking year, man. People always put such a, a massive emphasis on the schedule and like trying to figure out the schedule. And oh well, this is a win. This is a loss. This is a win. It never ever works out that way. I wish people would learn. Um, there will be games where players get hurt, injuries happen, quarterbacks are out. Look at Tua this weekend, right? All of a sudden, like we're saying to ourselves, like, oh well, you know, you're, you're looking at the Dolphins with Tyreek and Waddle, and like, oh well, that's a loss, no matter what happens. And then two is good, and now two is hurt. So it's like, you know, it, it, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, you know, Justin Fields was right there, and it, it's kind of a recurring theme, Sliz. And I, this is this week's geek of the week, and. Uh, no, we don't dislike just, I don't want to say we dislike Justin Fields here. Right. I, you know, I feel for the kid cause he's put in a no win situation right now, but Justin Fields, you are this week's geek of the week. Sliz, why, why is Fields, why is Fields so deserving of this honor? Yeah. And, and a little, little bit tongue in cheek shot at like the, the insufferable field stands that every time Zach throws a bad pass and whatever they're like oh man yeah justin fields was right there blah blah blah. it's like dude i think every single person that wanted justin fields except for jmaw because for whatever (laughs) reason every other person is totally out on justin fields and again like you said it's not justin fields as a person it's not his talent necessarily but it's like he he is getting like sam darnold but he's doing even worse than sam darnold did in a, mm-hmm. in a com- comparable situation and he's not handling it well right from what it looks like so so the quote i pulled here was, was in the post game presser and and he had a he had a 
maybe overblown, but not a great comment last week in the presser where he talked about like, he basically said like, oh, the what the fans, the, the fans, the fans don't, don't feel the pain do. like we right. do. Yeah. Like, cause the, we're putting into work. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, man, you can't put the fans on blast. Like, come on. Like, I know what you're saying, but, but then, so he, 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 he has that last week. He corrects it. And then he comes back this week and gets a, a question, like a, a very fair question where you're seeing the stat this week where Justin, the bears offense has as many has 37 receptions or something. And Cooper cup on his own has 42, right? It's like, they are not passing the ball. Well, they're not passing it like at all. Um, I don't know if that's the staff, not trusting Justin. I don't know if the, it, what it is, but he, he gets the question this week. Why isn't the passing game working? And his answer, his answer back or his question back is who, who says the game passing game isn't working. And then, well, the stats, right? The stats, you're, you're not passing and it's not productive. And, and his response is the stats don't matter. It's like, dude, it's like, I, like you're, you're taking a fair question and you're just digging a hole, man. And, and the body language isn't good. The, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's frustrated, man. And like, I'm trying not to, he's like I said, he's in a terrible situation His patch pass catchers are not good. I don't think that they set him up to succeed. The offensive line's not good, but it's like, man, like it, it's just spiraling so hard there. And yeah, and it, yeah. geek of it's the week for, for that answer, man. And, and yeah. just the whole Bears organization right now, really, the, this is just a, a microcosm of what their season's going to be. I know they're two and two, maybe the most fraudulent two and two of, of all time, but <laughs> yeah, more, more or less fraudulent than the Giants three and one. I'll say more because at least I think Dabble's at least doing a, a heck of a coach job. <laughs> the, the the Bears needed a monsoon game and they needed whatever the heck they needed to play the Texans in order to mm. get two wins. But and yeah. I, I got a I got a late addition too on Geek of the Week. Please and, do. And and it, it's more it, it's 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 a stepping stone geek of the week. Uh, I'm gonna put CJ Mosley on blast. But I'm gonna do it in a, in the way I really wanted to compliment this week four booth. We had them a lot last season. We've had a lot of C D teams as commentators, mm-hmm. and I thought they did such a good job. Not just because they blasted C J Mosley, I thought they did an excellent job giving insight, showing relevant replays and and all twenty two looks and stuff. I thought they did an excellent job, and they really put C J Mosley on blast. CJ Mosley took the cheese, everyone. He took the cheese. <laughs> yeah, but he he's certainly deserving of it. I mean, we've we've said it. Um we've said it about CJ, and Greg Gumble does a great job, so there's that. But um, you know, the, the thing about CJ is like he's one of those culture guys, right? And and his unfortunately for him, he's kind of a product of a bygone bygone era when it comes to linebackers because he came from Alabama as the thumper, the big guy in the middle of the monster, plugging the holes. He's not doing that anymore because he lost all the weight, and now he's got nothing. He's got no weight in the ass, so it's like he gets knocked over and on goal line stands, and he can't make a run, tackle. Like, run over twice by Kenny. By Pickett Kenny Pickett, at, Pickett at bro. The goal line, dude. By Kenny Pickett. This guy. This guy weighs 120 pounds, soaking wet. I don't understand. Anyway, uh, the thing about Fields being geek of the week is it's tough because I'm not a. I'm a. I don't want to say I'm a big guy in optics, right? But there's a reason that optics are a thing, 
right? And there's a reason that when you when you're a franchise quarterback, you have to be conscious of it. You have to be aware of things that you're saying. And like you said, his body language not great. His I don't want to put like I probably shouldn't even say this, but like when you look at when you watch a Bears game and you see him on the sideline and they cut to him on the sideline and he looks completely disinterested in everything that's happening on the field. And they I saw it a lot last year and I see it a lot this year. And I understand you're only seeing what the cameras want you to see right at the end of the day, but he's never like his, his coaches don't gas him up. His teammates don't gas him up. He's you don't see him talking to like, it's very, very bizarre. I don't know well, if he, if he knows that he's in a situation, pardon my French, but like, I don't know if he knows that, but um, it certainly feels that way. And you see it in his play though, too. And that's where, that's where it hurts as it translates. And, and, you know, we, we have the, the obvious, um, comparison with with Sam Darnold and being in a crappy situation, being undermanned, having a coach that's probably not all that great for what you need to, at that time. But it's like, dude, he he's getting pressured a lot. But it's like the amount of sacks this dude is taking, like his pressure to sack conversion rate is off the mm-hmm. charts. It, he he just looks like a broken man back there. Right. He's mi- he's missing open reads. He's scrambling on air. it. Just it just looks bad, man. The and- video the video I showed uh, I sent of him missing Darnell Moody Moody uh, Mooney. Sorry, I can't get his name out. Uh, wide open down the middle of the field versus the Giants, and he had. It's not even like the pocket was collapsing on him. He had room. Yeah, vacates saw, a like, clean the, pocket. Nobody within 15 yards of Mooney and no one within like I want to say like three or four yards of, of fields in the And he pocket. was looking at like, he was looking at it too. He like it's not like his he, he was looking at it. He was looking right down the pipe. Like yeah, you gotta throw the strike, man. I don't know. Poor fields. I mm. I hope I like I hope he gets a second chance because I think especially quarterbacks deserve that next opportunity, but it, you just get the feel that the clock is ticking on him now in, in Chicago. So hey, the, the giants will trade for him and, and Ant Rob will become a giants <laughs> fan with his field, Brian Dable and wink Martindale dream. That, that was his dream combo for the jets. And it'll happen in, 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 in New York, just on the other side. <laughs> well, from what I heard, Ant Rob didn't even watch the jets game live. So there's that too, but you know, that's oh, not yeah, yeah, he, he was watching the, the, the power matchup bears versus giants for yeah, his, there you uh, go. his survivor. League. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, well, you know what? How about this? How about a late, an, an especially late addition to geek of the week Ant Rob, you are geek of the week. Yeah. Okay? You're not allowed to true. say anything. You're not allowed to say anything about Zach Wilson while you're sitting there watching suck ass Daniel Jones. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> And Justin Fields, get out of here with that. Wildcat QB, Daniel Jones. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sliz, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Why don't you you say congratulations to you uh, on this this note here? Well, a couple of them. So you set the table. I got to follow suit. So I got my fifth wedding anniversary coming up on Friday. Man, it's awesome. And and it came up quick, man. It came up really, really quick. But, you know, love my wife, Carly, and it, it's just phenomenal. So, yeah, we, we got a babysitter lined up for dinner. We're, we're good to go, man. It's, Excellent. It's all, all good vibes. And then maybe even better vibes, letting the cat out of the bag. I've, I've maybe let, let a few hints out here and there in the Discord. Got got another baby Sliz coming. Got, got, got multiple 
baby Sliz is coming. We got twin we got twins on the way, man. Twins. Yeah. You love it. You love it, it. It's a uh it was a shocker. Not something we really like thought that we had in the family, but you know, kinda once it happens and you're like, Oh, where where are they? And we both we found it on both sides. But yeah twins and and probably identical ones of that so wow listen man misery loves company so having all those new jets fans and family and the slit family is going to be great great for you yeah well i know i know zingy zingy was asking for some parenting more parenting topics in the landing strip they will be coming my friend and i will (laughs) tell you there there was some commentary and off topic about high fives low fives all that all that there's some like super boomer article about how you shouldn't give kids high fives like a certain really? whatever Dude, giving my daughter a double high five after the jets win this weekend was amazing i'm just oh, gonna yeah. say went for the double high five no low five at n- none of that none of that business double high five it was awesome man being a dad's great have i'm so excited we're, we're so pumped it's gonna be awesome i'm very excited for you that's awesome Elite, elite, elite uh, double high five grade from PFF there, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's awesome. Very happy. So uh, I went to a wedding this weekend. So congratulations to Sam and Chet, some of uh, Emily and I's friends. Uh, Emily co-worker with Sam for a long time. So uh, really nice wedding. Good time. Good drinks. Good dancing. So that was, that was a good time. Uh, to that end, I had a couple of tequila and sprites at the wedding. And I'm not sure what kind of tequila they use, but it felt kind of light, to be honest. And I probably had three or four of them and wasn't really feeling much of it. So the search for the perfect uh, or the best tequila continues. And I'm currently drinking this tequila Ocho. So if anybody out there from tequila Ocho was listening to our podcast, we'd love a sponsor. But uh, this tequila Ocho is really good. And I've been sipping it throughout the throughout the podcast tonight. So um, excellent, excellent stuff. But if anybody has good tequila recommendations, I'm, I'm all ears. I have a couple of bottles of Fortaleza tequila coming in over the next couple of days. So that'll be nice. But uh, yeah, I find I'm starting to find that I like the tequila a little bit more than the bourbon and the whiskey. So this is uh, quite the quite the change in the Joe Rivera brand here. Let me tell you. But uh, that's it. That's it. That's all I got on my, on my landing shoot. I, I, will I can't, not I can't, be... I'm sorry. I can't follow up to like, you say twins <laughs> and I say tequila, like my God, man. Yeah. Hey, maybe those go hand in hand. Right. <laughs> but I, I will say, uh, I, I'm not a tequila guy. I'm, I'm certainly on, uh, on the bourbon bandwagon, but all that, my sister's a big tequila drinker. So I'll have to, I'll have to ask if she's got a, a drink of choice there. <laughs> I'm a tequila guy now. I don't know. I don't know when this happened, but I'll take it. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. You already found us, obviously, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd be so kind to drop us a five-star review where applicable, it would be greatly appreciated. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you at? Yeah, find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. He's getting more active, people. He's getting more active. <laughs> Slowly but surely. We love to see it. Uh, you could send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, join the Discord. And Sliz, how can how can the people join uh, join our little slice of internet heaven? Yeah, it's discord.gg slash nyjets. And, and yeah, not overly active on Twitter yet. Starting to, to <laughs> feel it out, but very, very active on the Discord. Come chat, come hang out. Yeah, we got we got baseball playoffs coming up. We got 
basketball coming up world cups gonna be coming up here in november and of course every every week during the week we're breaking down film we're talking stats we're talking what we want to see coming up next game during the games we're all you know living and dying on every snap so yeah if, if you need someone to chat with want to talk jets ball yeah come 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 join in uh, or you know you can join in in the in the lengthy Giselle and Tom Brady marriage debates too, which is yeah. you know that's yeah. always a that's always a fun fun discussion to have. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel for Matt Stillard. I'm Joe Rivera, reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel.